Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. The football season is coming and there's no better place to start making every moment more than with FanDuel. I just love using this app. It's super user-friendly and safe. They have such a deep repertoire of odds and markets for every sport, and they have same-game parlays. You guys remember the same-game parlays that Liv Moods and I were throwing out during the NBA playoffs for the volume. Those were a ton of fun. All around, it's by far the best sports gambling experience I've come into contact with. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. Again, promo code JasonT so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We are almost to the weekend. And after Tuesday, when Kevin Durant recommitted to the Brooklyn Nets, I had a feeling 
that pretty quickly the Lakers would begin to execute their backup plan. We have some precedent here. This is pretty similar to what happened with the Lakers in 2019 with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi made them wait a little while. They had time to cultivate a backup plan, and then they executed that backup plan when they didn't get Kawhi. Pretty similar to what happened with Kyrie this summer, albeit with trades as opposed to traditional free agent signings. Well, that first deal went down last night, or at least was uh, intellectually agreed upon last night. It was consummated this morning, but Stanley Johnson and Taylor Horton Tucker are going to the Utah Jazz, and Patrick Beverly is coming back to the Los Angeles Lakers. At first, I didn't really like the trade. Uh, when I first saw it come down last night, I'm very high on Stanley Johnson, not just as who he is as a basketball player in a vacuum, but with this particular Lakers team that is so thin on the wing, I viewed him as very valuable. So initially, I wasn't super high on the deal, uh, but thankfully... You know, it's funny, I knew I needed a couple of hours to really digest all of the different elements of the trade, the players involved, the players that the Lakers signed this summer to potentially help that situation, how it impacts next summer, the fit with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I knew I needed to take a lot of time. And it was I was having a date night with my wife, so I knew I'd get in huge trouble if I just dropped everything that we were doing and, and got on my computer for a while. So I just put my phone down, put it on Do Not Disturb, and I was like, I will get to this in the morning. And then this morning, I dove into it. And honestly, I'm a lot higher on the deal than I was last night. And I will explain why during the show today. The way I want to do this is I want to get into each of the players to talk about their strengths and weaknesses specifically so that we can understand the value exchange that is taking place in this trade. I want to talk about the Lakers front office and what this kind of indicates from them and their uh, trajectory over the last few years because I think that's interesting. I want to talk about this year's Lakers team and the identity that is starting to take shape with this Patrick Beverly deal as well as the deal that I expect to follow shortly thereafter. And then last but not least, we're going to uh, briefly touch on the Chet Holmgren injury, which is going to keep him out for the season. You guys know the deal. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you don't miss any show announcements. And last but not least, if you miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish it, don't forget that we release them in audio form wherever you get your podcasts under Hoops Tonight. All right, let's start with Patrick Beverly. He's not my favorite guy. Not even having to do with basketball, just as a guy. The 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 whole loudmouth concept is not a is, is not my favorite type of personality. Pushing Chris Paul in the back after losing a basketball game, the way he's behaved on first take, being like outwardly aggressively disrespectful to people. He's got a like he's got dozens of of one liners and in interviews and press conferences and show appearances and stuff where he, I think, in my opinion, has, has crossed the line in terms of respect to, to his peers around the league. That's just my opinion on who he is as a guy. That's separate from who he is as a basketball player. Patrick Beverly is a very good basketball player. And, he, and for all of the attitude things I said, he's not a malcontent. He directs that behavior outside of the locker room, which is a good thing. He doesn't beef with teammates. So his behavior is not going to negatively affect the Lakers, in my opinion. The one thing I will say, though, is the beef that exists between Patrick Beverly and Russ makes it way more likely that Russell Westbrook will be traded. 
Obviously, Patrick Beverly is the one that injured Pat, uh, Russell Westbrook's knee. And then Russell Westbrook had comments basically undercutting Patrick Beverly's success as a, as a defensive player, which Patrick Beverly took exception to because he thought that was him uh, actively attacking his perception around the league and potentially costing him money. There's a lot of bad blood there. So I think you can pretty safely assume that Russ is going out uh, of the Lakers locker room as a result of this Patrick Beverly deal. But I did want to get into the basketball a little bit. He is a downright disruptive point of attack defender. We talked about the difference between positional defenders and disruptive defenders. De- positional defenders give ground to make you shoot over the top. Disruptive defenders are more aggressive forward, try to disrupt your handle and shooting pocket, but they're more likely to give up uh, straight line drives. We're going to get a little bit more into that later as it pertains to the fit with the Lakers, but he is a downright disruptive point of attack defender. He's what I would call a pest. He's a guy that is actively doing things that aren't even necessarily normal basketball behaviors because he's trying to get in your head. He's trying to frustrate you. He's trying to get you to outside of your element and to be uncomfortable. There's a great deal of value there because there's nothing, there's nothing that's more important to an offensive player playing well than his comfort. If he feels comfortable dribbling the basketball, if he feels comfortable getting to his shot, in all likelihood, he's going to have a good shooting night. These guys are too talented. They work too hard to not play well when they're comfortable. Patrick Beverly actively attacks your comfort zone and tries to make you play outside of that. And a lot of players really struggle with that, which is why he's as successful a defensive player as he is. He plays with consistent energy. And like the real kind of consistent energy where he really tries on every single possession, not the Russ consistent energy where it's more, more of the, 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 the yelling and the screaming and the jawing. And there's a whole lot of possessions being taken off uh, surrounding that. So it's kind of more showy than it is a substance. You know what I mean? Uh, he's a decent catch and shoot three point shooter, 60 for 156 last year. That's 39%. He was seven for 15 on catch and shoot threes in the playoffs, which was 47%. What does that amount to? He's a standard spacing threat. He's not a guy that people are going to actively account for off the ball, but he is a guy that they, that teams will play normal uh, positional defense off of him when he doesn't have the basketball. They'll be Far enough away that they can help, but close enough that they feel like they can close out. They're not going to abandon Patrick Beverly and leave him open because he has proven himself as a willing and capable catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. He's also really smart attacking closeouts, and he can make some plays as a second-side creator. This is, Again, this is there's a huge difference between primary side creator, meaning you're attacking a set defense. You bring the ball up the floor, the defense is set in perfect positioning, and you're attacking. Patrick's not going to succeed in that specific situation. But if he's attacking closeouts, meaning the defender is out of position and sprinting out at him, or he's a second side creator, meaning he's running an action after the defense has already been put into rotation, he can actually have some success there. He had 268 assists this year to just 67 turnovers. That is a 3.67 assist to turnover ratio. Among all players in the league who played at least 50 games and at least 20 minutes per game, I would call that any normal full-scale rotation player, he was fourth in the league in assist to turnover ratio behind just Tyus Jones, Chris Paul, and Monte Morris. So he is good at making plays against a compromised defense without turning the basketball over. That's very impressive. He is a solid NBA starter. So if you look at it from that perspective, the Lakers are flipping two bench players for one starter. And as I said 
going into the summer, the Lakers are in a, a predicament because if you don't count Russ, who's eventually going to be sent out, they have two players on the entire roster who are NBA starters, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They needed to bring in starter-level NBA talent, and Patrick Beverly absolutely fits that mold. The one huge red flag that I would take a look at here is health. Uh, Patrick Beverly has averaged 47 games played in the last five years. He pretty consistently has a decent, uh, a, a pretty significant injury that keeps him out a decent chunk of the season. Let's take a look at the players that the Lakers are sending out. So first of all, Taylor Horton Tucker. I really liked Taylor. And I really believe in his potential as a two-way power guard. The name that I always throw out is like the high end of his spectrum is Drew Holiday. That's unlikely, but he has that potential. That's a type of player that he could be if things go right. He's only 21 years old, but he has a really low center of gravity. He's super strong and he has very long arms. That helps him guard up in size. Despite only being 6'4", he can guard a 6'8 wing because of how strong he is, because of how low his center of gravity is, and because of his long arms that allow him to be disruptive in someone's ball handling and in their shooting pocket. It also makes him offensively very difficult to knock off of his line. This is what I mean by power guard. Like if you look at Drew Holiday, you think he guards up a position. He can guard basically anybody but a big, right? Because he's so strong and he has that low center of gravity. And if you put small guards on him, he could post them up and he can drive them to the basket at will because of how big and strong he is. Talon has that capability. I actually really like the way he attacks the basket too because he doesn't seek foul calls. He tucks the basketball like a running back, goes up with power, and then extends to try to finish at the rim. He averaged 2.1 restricted area makes per game this year on only 25 minutes per game. That's pretty significant. There were a lot of players in my top 25 list that weren't getting to the rim that often. Now, he did only finish at 60% there, which for a guard is okay, not good. But the dude can flat out get to the rim. And he's an excellent, disruptive on-ball defender. So those are his two elite skills right now. That is That high-end potential Drew Holiday concept depends on those two skills being combined with a well-rounded skill set around there. But he's in that well-rounded skill set. He's got a long way to go. He cannot shoot the basketball. His release is too slow and he's set. He doesn't lift off the ground very high, which I don't don't understand why any coach would allow a, a player, especially one with his potential, to do that. The main reason why is in the NBA with the speed and the change of direction and things like that, I don't understand why you would want to slow yourself down to then shoot a set shot as opposed to shooting with more fluidity and pace like the vast majority of guards and wings in the NBA do. He shot only 27% on catch-and-shoot threes this year. That's atrocious. He's actually a little bit more comfortable off the dribble, but it's because with his set shot, it actually makes it easier for him to fade away and to step back because he uses his legs a lot. Shot 32% off the dribble this year, but he has to make massive massive, massive improvements as a shooter to ever reach that high-end potential that I was talking about. As a passer, he misses way too many easy reads. He makes flashy plays. Like, you'll see Talon, 
you know, in a pick and roll, get into the lane and make a, 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 a awesome bullet pass to the weak side corner for a wide open three. And you'll be like, man, Talon's got potential there. But you'll also see him miss that same read two or three additional times for every one time he makes the read. He only averaged 3.8 assists per 36 minutes with two turnovers. That's not good as a playmaking guard. So right now he's pretty one-dimensional offensively. He's also weak defensively off the ball. He makes puzzling help decisions and he frequently loses his man when he's watching the ball as a help defender. So if he improves as a shooter, improves as a decision maker, and improves as, a, as an off-ball defender, he can reach the potential of like fringe all-star guard like Drew Holiday, but he's got a long way to go there. What that means is, is Talon is an interesting young prospect, but he doesn't fit the Lakers' timeline. Because in order to be impactful, he needs years to fix all of those things that I was just talking about. And he's only 21 years old. So for Danny Ainge in the Utah Jazz, it's just a timeline swap. You're taking taking Patrick Beverly, who's a known commodity, who's not getting any better. And you, the Utah Jazz, are rebuilding. You're flipping him for Taylor Horton Tucker, a player who right now is not as good as Patrick Beverly but has the potential to one day be much better. So I like the move for Utah in that regard, and I like the move for the Lakers in the sense that they're bringing back a player that more accurately fits their timeline and can actually help LeBron James and Anthony Davis win games right now. That swap made sense to me. Where I had concern last night was Stanley Johnson. All right, so first I need to reveal my biases here. I'm a huge fan of Stanley Johnson. I was born and raised in Tucson, Arizona. He came here and played at the University of Arizona for one year before he went to the NBA. And him and I played against each other a lot uh, while he was here during the offseason. And we had a good relationship, and I just like the guy. So that's going to color my analysis here a little bit. But he also is directly a very important fit within what the Lakers need on this roster. This Lakers team is sorely lacking in wing size, and Stanley is their biggest and most athletic wing. He's 6'7 with shoes on, and here's the big one. He's 242 pounds. That is huge for a wing. LeBron James is considered one of the biggest and most physically imposing wings in the entire history of basketball, and he played most of his career at about 260, and Stanley Johnson's 242. The vast majority of 6'6 wings in the league are like 210, 215, and he's 242 pounds. That allows him to guard up in size. He also has a 7-foot wingspan. He is the best defensive wing on the roster for the Lakers. Now, in fairness, he can't shoot. 29% on catch-and-shoot threes this year. He attacks closeouts well and can pass the basketball, but it's not enough to make up for his other offensive shortcomings. So that does make him a bench wing. My thing is, with how thin they are on the wing, I would have looked at other options before I would have allowed Stanley to go that easily. Now, I don't know the situation. I don't know if Danny Ainge insisted on taking Stanley or what the deal was. And look, if he insisted on taking Stanley, then you got to throw Stanley in the deal because flipping Talon for Patrick Beverly is, uh, is worth it. But that specifically was my one big reservation about this deal. One thing I'll say in defense of Rob Palinka. Juan Toscano Anderson and Troy Brown Jr. effectively do fill this role. And with the two of them and Austin Reeves on the roster, they should be able to fill that role. It's just a matter of depth. 
I, I, I would have looked at other options before losing Stanley because of the depth and because of matchups. Him being 242 pounds, that's so much heavier than a Troy Brown Jr. or an Austin Reeves. That allows him to guard bigger wings and forwards that those guys just simply can't guard. So that was my one big reservation from the deal. So zooming out from the trade a little bit, you're flipping a bench wing and a bench guard for a solid NBA starting point guard. So that's a good exchange for the Lakers. They also get off Taylor Horton Tucker's contract, which gives them more long-term flexibility, which we'll talk about here in just a few minutes. I also really like specifically what Patrick Beverly does offensively and defensively alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. In Minnesota, because of Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell and their lack of confidence as ball handlers in a lot of situations, Pat Bev was asked to do a lot with the basketball. He also had a good matchup against John Morant, so he was attacking a lot. But the reality is, is alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, he is going to be able to hyper-focus his skills in, in the directions that he's great at. Ball pressure, being a disruptive defender, being a great rebounding guard shooting in spot-up situations, attacking with an advantage on the second side and attacking closeouts. He's going to be able to direct his resources in the directions that he's most capable of. But this is why the Pacers trade is so important. The proposed Buddy Heald, Miles Turner for Russell Westbrook and two first-round picks trade. When you lose Russell Westbrook and you lose Taylor Horton Tucker, all of a sudden your backup creators outside of LeBron are Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly, which is just not good enough. Buddy Heald fills that role of that secondary creator next to LeBron that properly slots Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn as weak side creators. And Heald provides that off-the-dribble shooting that I've always found so valuable. We've talked about this before, but just about every point guard that has played for the Lakers has been a bad shooter. You know, Rajon Rondo, Dennis Schroeder, Russell Westbrook, you guys get the point. And what ends up happening is it makes the, the Anthony Davis point guard pick and roll useless because teams can go underneath the screen and they don't have to account for off-the-dribble shooting. Buddy Heald is an outstanding off-the-dribble, high-volume three-point shooter. So that makes it so that guards have to chase him over the top of the screen, which changes the dynamic of the pick and roll. If the guard is chasing over the top of the screen, Buddy Heald can get downhill into the lane. If Buddy Heald can get downhill into the lane, then the big man in the drop coverage has to step over to contain Buddy Heald. If the big is containing Buddy Heald and the guard is chasing over the top, who's rolling untouched to the rim? It's going to be Anthony Davis. They're going to have to pull guys out of the weak side corner to tag Anthony Davis as a roller, which is going to open up wide open shots on the weak side. Or if they stay on that shooter, Anthony Davis is going to get pocket passes or lobs for dunks all day long. So Buddy Heald is immensely important now to the Lakers because you can't have Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn being your secondary creators, and you need to unlock that Anthony Davis pick and roll again. As far um, as Miles Turner goes, this is a two-big team. Not only did you just bring in another small guard, but you just shipped off your biggest wing. This is a team that is very heavy on little guards and big players, centers, right? So you're not going to be playing Anthony Davis at the five because you don't have enough wing size. This is a two big team. LeBron's going to play most of the season at the three and Anthony Davis is going to play most of the season at the four. And I like Thomas Bryant and I like Damian Jones, but on good teams, they're bench bigs. 
So Miles Turner brings in a starting level NBA center to fill that role. Once again, now if with this deal, I can competently say, confidently say that the Lakers have five NBA starters because they'd have Patrick Beverly, Buddy Heald, LeBron AD, and Miles Turner. Miles Turner is an interesting player because his value is so specific to this system in the modern NBA. He can shoot a little bit, and he's an outstanding rim protector. He runs the floor okay. But like a lot of bigs, he struggles in spaced out situations, and he's not going to be able to guard on the perimeter. He's also not great at attacking closeouts. So you're never going to use him in a five-out, you know, attacking closeouts type of system. You're not going to count on him to an extend an advantage or to drive and kick to other teammates. Defensively, you would never play him with small lineups where he needs to cover a lot of ground. But in huge lineups where you're primarily funneling guys to bigs and you're using drop coverages instead of switching, you can keep him near the rim where he's more impactful. Turner has weaknesses and teams will find ways to attack him, but he also has immense strengths and they can at least try to build the system around Turner's strengths and you can kind of start to see the identity of the Lakers taking shape. They are going to be an an aggressive perimeter defense team that is willing to give up drives because they're going to have a ridiculous backline defensively. Miles Turner is one of the best shot blockers in the league. So is Anthony Davis. LeBron James, when engaged, is a dynamic help defender on the back line. The three of them cleaning up messes on the back line will allow Patrick Beverly to be more aggressive on the perimeter. It will allow Buddy Heald, a limited defensive player, to focus on ball pressure, to focus on disruption, knowing if he gives up a, a, a drive, it's not the end of the world because there's a ton of help behind him. And he just needs to rotate out to the next guy. And then on the offensive end of the floor, spacing is going to not be great. But at least Miles Turner, as a shooting five, can go to the corner or go uh, on the opposite wing, and you'll be able to run high pick and roll with Anthony Davis. It's not going to be a five-out drive and kick attack. It's going to be a traditional high pick and roll and mismatch attacking type of system. But Miles Turner's ability to... He's not a great shooter, but he's a competent shooter. His ability to be a competent shooter will at least provide them better spacing than they had in the 2020 season when that big man was Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. And the Lakers half-court offense suffered that year because of spacing. I think it'll be a little bit better this year if they can get Miles Turner into that role. So as far as grading this trade goes, it's an incomplete. If they get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, I'll give it a B. Because it fits the identity of the team, but I don't like losing Stanley Johnson. But we can't technically give them that trade until the following trade, whatever it is, ends up actually taking place. So I'd give it an incomplete as of right now. But once again, just like every other season of this Lakers era, everything comes down to health. Miles Turner has had health issues. He's played less than 50 games two years in a row. Patrick Beverly is averaging less than 50 games in the last five years. LeBron James and Anthony Davis have had health issues. If they all get hurt again this year, this is another team that will miss the playoffs. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. 
So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. But if they all stay healthy, they can be damn good. The other angle to this trade is the future. Getting off of Taylor Horton Tucker's deal gives the Lakers more cap space next summer. There are other factors there, obviously, like if they trade and obtain Buddy Heald, Buddy Heald has one more year on his contract. But Russell Westbrook's salary is bigger than Heald and Turner, so chances are that they make up some of that ground there. But then again, he'd be an expiring, so they might be able to move him. There's a, there's a bunch of different pieces in play, but they could have as much as $35 million in cap space next summer. That's the max. That's if they somehow manage to shed all the salary after the season. Because LeBron James and Anthony Davis alone leave the Lakers with only $35 million in max uh, in uh, cap space. That's not enough to offer a max, but it is enough to attract high-level players who would be willing to play with the Lakers alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. There were three names that I looked at when I was looking at next year's free agents that I thought were interesting. Obviously, Kyrie Irving. We don't have to get into his fit. I've done that several times on the show, but he has said that he wants to go to LA. Obviously, if things go south in Brooklyn this year, I would imagine that he'd be the top target for the Lakers. James Harden is also potentially a free agent next year if he opts out of his player option, which his player option would be right around what the Lakers have in cap space next year. I don't think that's a realistic option because I expect things to go well this year in Philly. I think James Harden has recommitted to taking care of his body. I expect him to have one of the best seasons of his career this year, and I expect the Sixers to be very good, and I expect him to stay in Philly. But if something else goes south in Philly, for instance, if Joel Embiid gets hurt, or if James Harden, for whatever reason, doesn't have a great season, he could end up opting out of that deal and becoming an unrestricted free agent next year and looking outside of Philly, at which point the Lakers become a possible destination for him there. 
The last guy I wanted to mention here is Andrew Wiggins. He's an unrestricted free agent next summer. The Warriors will have his bird rights and have the ability to sign him again, but they're in a huge situation with luxury tax and uh, and their uh, uh, payroll. So there's a decent chance that Joe Lacob ends up letting Andrew Wiggins go. Andrew Wiggins is not an all-star, but he's a very interesting fit. Well, technically he was an all-star last year, but he's not an all-star type of player, but he's a very interesting fit alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis to actually allow them to go small. You need a legit 3 and D wing and a legit 3 and D 4 power forward in order to put an Anthony Davis at center. LeBron James can do that at the 4, but they've never had someone to fill in that spot at the 3. It wasn't Trevor Ariza. They let Kyle Kuzma go. Maybe Andrew Wiggins could be that guy for them. Point is, the getting off of Taylor Horton Tucker's deal gives the Lakers more cap space next summer, and they will be an interesting uh, player in the free agent market albeit a limited free agent class, but a couple of interesting names in there. So like, just to put a bow on it, I do like the trade. And I like the Buddy Heald, Miles Turner deal. Again, you guys got to, there's flaws here. Miles Turner has issues. Buddy Heald has issues. But you are flipping Russell Westbrook. You are taking a roster that had nothing and potentially retrofitting it into a team that has real upside. So if you're going to get that result, there's obviously going to be some risk. And the risk here is health. They need everybody to stay healthy. But if they do stay healthy, this will be a damn good team. And they will be a team that absolutely has a chance to hoist the trophy at the end of the year if they stay healthy. The last angle I wanted to look at this trade from was the Lakers and the totality of their predicament that they created over the course of the last couple of years. The truth of the matter is, is it's extremely difficult to win an NBA championship. A lot of things have to go your way, not just off the court, but on the court. Guys staying healthy, guys making shots. But there's obviously the stuff that's off the court that's under your control, the way you construct the roster. And it's, ex- it's already difficult enough without you sabotaging yourself. This Lakers trade is an attempt to clean up a mess that they created. They decided that they valued Taylor Horton Tucker, a young prospect, over Alex Caruso, a proven winning player who started an NBA Finals game. Then they had to trade Taylor with Stanley Johnson to get back a player in Patrick Beverly who is a lesser version of Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso is the same type of disruptive defender the same type of impact effort player that also has the size to guard up several positions. He's a better player. And the Lakers are undoing damage that they did to themselves as a result. And it's really unfortunate. The other angle I wanted to look at here is the Lakers have such an interesting direction that they're going in different than the other teams around the league. All of the smart teams are going in on wings players between 6'6 and 6'10 that can guard multiple positions and dribble the basketball and shoot and do all the things that perimeter players do while also containing on the perimeter as defensive players. And the Lakers continue to prioritize the exact opposite. Small guards and bigs. Arguably their best free agent signing this summer was Thomas Bryant, a center. Their first trade targeted a small guard. They have shipped off Stanley Johnson, their biggest and most athletic wing. 
Their mid-level exception signing was on an undersized guard that's not a great defensive player. The, while all of the smart basketball minds in the league are going one way, the Lakers are going the opposite way. It's one of the biggest reasons why I don't have a ton of confidence in the direction that Rob Palinka has taken this team. Now, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are so damn good that they might be able to win anyway. They actually did at one point in time. But at a certain point, if the Lakers are going to have consistent success in this league, they're going to need to have a front office that pays attention to what works in the modern NBA so that they can target those players, so that they don't make mistakes that put themselves in a situation where they have to fix their own problems. Going after Russell Westbrook, sacrificing the wing defenders that they lost, Alex Crusoe, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, any smart president of basketball operations that is aware of the direction the league is going is going to know that's a bad idea. And the Lakers did not. And so they walked headlong into the trap and now they have to clean up the mess. And as a result, they have to make high-risk moves like obtaining guys like Patrick Beverly and Miles Turner that haven't been healthy often and that have flaws. So it's just it's just an interesting it's it's an interesting dynamic because the Lakers have enough, you know, cachet around the league to pull big names, but their front office is definitely a step behind the rest of the league and it will permanently as long as Rob Palenka is in control, as long as Jeannie Buss allows the decision-making process to work the way it does, the Lakers will be operating at a disadvantage and it'll make it harder for them to win. All right, before we get out of here today, I wanted to quickly touch on this Chet Holmgren injury. So first of all, as far as it pertains to Chet and his health, hopefully this was just bad luck on the play where LeBron was barreling into him and not the classic issue that seems to happen to so many super tall players in basketball history, which is they have bad feet. Hopefully that's not what happens here to Chet, and hopefully he makes a full recovery. The question that uh, that was flying around this morning was, should players play in pro-ams? Should players play in the summer? And I find this to be such a stupid conversation that's frustrating for me to listen to. Now, if it was wet floor... Like, if it was about the wet floor, I get that. Like, yeah, no player, regardless of whether or not you're a pro, should be playing basketball on a dangerous floor. It's just not worth the risk. So let's set that aside for a minute. As far as the discussion of pro players playing in pro-ams or pickup games and things like that, basketball players have to play basketball. I'm a big believer. Like, I do individual training for my high school team. I'm a big believer in balance. For every one hour that you spend on individual work, you should spend an hour doing it against a live defense because there is a huge difference and you need to be able to bridge that gap. Connect your individual work with something that you can comfortably do in a game. And the only way you can do that is playing basketball. And when you play basketball, there's a risk for injury. I don't care if you're playing against other pros or you're playing against other overseas pros or you're playing against other college players. There's risk. Now, do I think LeBron James and Anthony Davis should go play at an LA fitness against a bunch of like meathead lifters that don't know how to play and could get them hurt? No, of course not. But when it comes to live basketball against other competent basketball players, they should play in the offseason. And fear of injury is irrational. You could avoid playing pickup all summer and then get hit hurt on the first day of training camp because you land on someone's foot. Injuries are part of the game. 
Basketball players have to play basketball. Therefore, some basketball players will get injured. It's part of the deal. I, I feel horrible for Chet, and I hope that he makes a full recovery, and I look forward to watching him next year. But there, there doesn't need to be some sort of you know, uh, uh, rehashing of whether or not basketball players should play basketball. That, to me, is so nonsensical. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support. We should be back on Sunday night. I will see you guys then. State wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.